0: That's one small step for man.
1: What's going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. I'm your host, not Anthony Corbo this week. Uh, My buddy's going to be missing this one, but with me today, as always now, is Mike Cortez. What's up, buddy? What is up, dude? You know, hanging out. uh, A little tired from my preemptive RJ victory lap, but, you know. (laughs) Let's uh,
0: do it. Let's lace on the fucking shoes, man.
1: uh, Just... Just excited about him just it was it was good to see him uh playing how we envisioned basically uh that made me feel good uh seeing the playmaking kind of be stepped up in the second half of the year so far uh, just just really enjoying his level of play uh you, you really see it you know the best qualities right now are kind of his vision and his brains and whereas they're letting him have the ball a little bit more, not enough still, but we're starting to see that come through and shine through. So I'm really excited about that. It makes me very, very happy.
0: Yeah, and I feel like this happened right at our lowest point. I feel like as Knicks fans, the games started to feel like a chore. Like just sitting through two and a half hours like, Jesus Christ, I don't know if I could see Alfred Payton shoot a line drive that hits below the rim again. I just can't do it. And RJ's come to save us. I mean, Mitch has been good for most of the season when he actually plays. So that was always there. But I feel like we haven't had a guard that is exciting to watch. Or even a wing. Anybody, really. Since maybe Melo, am I crazy? Or Porzingis too. I'm not going to shortchange him. So yeah, it was. it's really good to see. And in addition to RJ, I'm just liking how Mike Miller, especially against the Rockets... He saw that Frank was playing well with RJ and just over playing well, period, and he let him close. And I feel like he's doing that a lot more in the last few games or so. I don't know why. I'm not going to question it. I'm going to enjoy it. But like you said, putting the ball in RJ's hands is the key. And if you notice, his fast starts are when he's getting the ball early, getting a couple easy buckets, getting that confidence up. When Alfred and Julius Randle are doing whatever the fuck they do, he starts pressing and he starts shooting wild shots, and that leads to those three for 20 nights. So I think the clear blueprint for now is there. Let's just hope they keep following it.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, at the end of the day, you know, I think he's got to have more ball handling responsibilities, and I think he just needs to play with guys like Dotson and just shooters, just space and a guy that he can pick and roll with, rim roll with. And uh, every time he's out there with Mitch, they've been killing it lately it's beautiful um it you know frank has been playing really well next to those guys too and i just feel like they got to get a little bit more shooting next to those three guys that little trio that's been playing well lately and uh but it's just kind of to me showing that rj maybe could be a little bit more than people thought i mean i thought we were high on him i mean we were we were high on him you know what i mean but it's like I'm not trying to go too, too nuts either. I know that he's been inconsistent this year, but to me, every time they've spaced the floor and they've given him shooters and kind of played him, whether intentionally or not, led the right way with sort of the right lineup, we're seeing like really good things happen. Like he's been much more efficient when he's playing in those lineups, he's been uh, much better of a playmaker. So it's like if they're actually serious about the team building, like this is when you got to start making some serious decisions about the young guys and then start trying to really build this thing around RJ. Like, you took him three for a reason, right? Like, he's he's going to be a cornerstone, you know, for better or for worse. Like, he, he was the third pick. That's what you expect. That's what you try to do for a few years. So, yeah, you got to start building around him, right? And I think we're starting to see what a team, a, a winning team like that, could look like. And it's going to have, you know, he's going to have the ball a lot. To me, he's going to have to have the ball a lot. And uh, I, I just hope that the Knicks do it. They, they don't often do right by players. I really hope this time, like, to me, like, you're starting to see the flashes of what he needs out there, and it's like, just just please, like, this really isn't hard. Just start Mitchell Robinson, give this man shooters, and just let him go to work. Like, get, you know, get him another point guard that can shoot when you can, like, try to sign one, trade for one, throw some money at Van Vliet, like, do what you gotta do, I don't know, but... Like, just give him the ball. I don't know. Like, that's that's kind of what it comes down to for me. Like, I think he's ready for it. I think you got to mold him for that, and I think that's how a winning team with him would be. Whether that's, like, him as a true number one or just, like, a, a playmaking secondary option, like a, like a very good one, you know? I, I don't know. But, like, that to me is, like, the role.
0: Yeah, in, back in July, this felt like a take at the time. I thought he can be he, – he molded his game after Harden. That he said that last week. At the time, I felt like it was a take, but I really think if they, you know, surrounded him with the rim protector, Mitchell Robinson, could play the Capella role, and then you just space him up with a bunch of guards, I feel like his lack of athleticism and bad shot, that could be subsided. Like, he can still be very good if you put him around the right pieces. And coming up in the next draft... I think they could start hitting on that. You have guys like LaMelo, Killian Hayes, guys that can shoot. So while RJ may not be the star, I still believe he has, he has to be a focal point moving forward because his disposition, the way he is, that's like a guy that you want at the forefront of your team when you're trying to rise up from the shit that they've been in for seven years now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want it to be, like, an overstated point because I know a lot of people say things like, oh, like, he's got the mentality, like, you know, and then th- that they kind of, like, make that the reason they believe in them fully and will make up for all their shortcomings. Like, he's got a lot of work to do. He's got to clean up the oh, shooting. Yeah. You know, I mean, the defense is is solid in his first year, which is better than we thought it was going to be. But, you know, he's got work to do there. You know, we I want to see him be a little bit more aggressive on the boards at, consistently, but um, he's just had a very impressive, like, years a whole without, like, harping on the shooting numbers. And even those, like, to me, if you look at the, the home road splits, like, I remember them being pretty, like, night and day, too. So at that point, it's like, is he shooting poorly on the road because he, that's just, you know, where it fell? Or is it, does he just have an issue on the road, but the home numbers are more true? Like, to me, it was, like, a, a strange split. Maybe it's nothing, I don't know, but... I am high on him and biased, so I choose to believe maybe it's the one I want. I don't know. but um,
0: Yeah, he's he's pretty awful on the road. Wow, I'm just looking at it right now. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Wow, he's averaging 16.5 at home, shooting 34% from three, 45% from the field. On the road, he's averaging 12 points, 30. 30% from three, and... Thirty-five percent from the floor, Jesus.
1: So, uh, you see what I mean? Like, that's crazy. What, I didn't realize what, it was that big. Yeah. So it's like, what is that? So is it just a, is it a comfort thing? I don't know. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's just it's a coincidence that it's like that. He just happened to have most of his bad games on the road, but it was pretty stark. And confidence it does matter as a basketball player, and he's a guy who kind of relies on it. So I'm gonna imagine that if he's feeling better he's gonna have more games like he has had at the garden because he's had a lot of good games there this year almost all of his good games have been at the garden this year and then you know that clippers game in in la but um i'm just i don't know i'm just encouraged maybe it's just me harping on too many of the positives but i really think something's there like that 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 is a guy that you want to build your team around like for sure and he's got the mentality for it like which we said that about kp at first too let's be serious he came in he was fiery Uh, We liked it. We liked the emotion. We liked he was a little brash, you know. But RJ to me is a little bit more like polished, I guess, in that sense. He just seems like he was like prepared to do this kind of thing. And uh, I I hope he is what like you and I deep down like believe he is. But I do think his floor is very, very safe. I think like his floor is a like very high level starter, like at worst, like a playmaking one.
0: Yeah, and our excitement isn't just like, oh, we drafted him. It's And, like, the whole mentality, like, oh, he's about that life. It's more than just being like, okay, I'm going to shoot after I just brick something. It's like so the way he approaches, he always goes hard, and that's been a consistent problem with Knicks people, with Knicks players, rather, where at certain points, even, like, Alfred's this year, Bobby Portis sometimes, they'll just whiff on defensive assignments. They'll just be like, eh, whatever. Nine times out of ten, RJ's going balls to the wall. And that becomes infectious. And if that guy's one of your leaders, you're going in a good direction. And that's why I love that Taj... It seems like Taj is taking RJ under his wing and that's the only vet that understands he's the future, it seems like. He's like the only guy who gets in the ball early and gets in those easy buckets. But if you are... If RJ is going to be that guy, I think it's going to be more of a leadership role. I think the talent is at least going to... I think his ceiling... Correct me. I mean, you might have a little higher expectation than me. I let's see. I think he can be. His ceiling is second best player on a good team. Where where do you think he falls? I, and that's only just because I can't buy elite finishing yet.
1: So, as we know, that I'm usually never the homer. Uh, this is a, a very rare stance for me, so I'm going to admit my bias here, but. So, he, he's playing good defense, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not being, like, wild about this. Like, not, like, elite, 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 crazy defense. But he's playing, like, solid defense.
0: Much better than I thought he would come out of college, for sure. Right,
1: like, like usually rookies are bad. Yeah. And he's he has certainly not been bad. So, it's like, to me, he's just been, like, mediocre-ish. Like, on, on an NBA level, mediocre. But, like, for a rookie, like, like, solid. Like, so, and he's strong, and he moves his feet well there. Like, I think he'll be okay. But... Then he's also rebounding, and from year two, that's like that's not nothing. Like that's a plus. We've seen him have some like really big rebounding games, especially earlier in the year. And we knew that from Duke. Like he loved hitting the glass. Did he not? Like that was yeah. a, a that was big plus for him. top.
0: That was literally his top, I guess, trait or uh, strength rather.
1: And again, to me, like that's not nothing because guards like Dwayne Wade, like they were good defensive and rebounding guards as well. You know, like that was a key part of what Wade was he was a guard who played like big and was a dog like that so like he does those things for me like he checks those boxes and like you see that he can play make you know what I mean and it's like this is before his handles are even where they need to be and the jumper is where it needs to be and I guess I'm just not worried about the percentages because it's like even when he's getting to the rim he's being crafty and then he's using his strength because he's a strong big dude so it's like I just feel like it's it's more of an adjustment I don't know if this is me just being biased and seeing what I want to see because for sure the shooting can look really bad sometimes. I and again has major work to do there. But it's like he's basically scoring a little bit more efficiently away from being a very good basketball player. Like right if if the current version of RJ without the jumper, if that guy just had a jumper, is that not just not just for the Knicks, not just for a rookie? Is that not like just in the NBA right now a very good basketball player?
0: Absolutely. And the problem with RJ, and it's not even a problem that he caused. It's kinda of same thing with Carmelo. It's like RJ's good, but he's not Jar Zion. I feel like that's really playing into something like that's really playing into people's assessment of RJ and it's not fair, even though they won't admit it. Because whenever you say like, Oh, why does RJ suck? Like, why do you think he sucks? They'll say, Oh well, Zion's leading his team to the playoffs, Ja's doing this. He's not there yet, and that's fine. But he has the tools and like you said, he no, he's, expect, like he's acting like he's supposed to be here, you know? Which is also very underrated. Just the confidence to say, I belong in the NBA, I'm going to work my ass off to become a good player. Just that's, I feel like that's an intangible you can't build on. Like, if you, either you have it or you don't.
1: Yeah, it just, it makes me excited to have him. It just looks like he wants to make the right play. He just, you know, we say it about guys like Frank too, and it's true. I mean, those are guys that, even for Frank, I have no idea at this point where his ceiling or floor is. I just hope that he keeps playing like he did against the Rockets. But, um, no. but um, you just want to have winning basketball players in your team, is the point. And we don't ever really get those kinds of guys with that kind of mindset. Um, it, it's a very fleeting feeling. That's why we want guys like Halliburton and Killian Hayes. Like, no. the, the, we just want at this point. It's like can you shoot yeah. and, and and do you make the right play like like do you play a smart kind of basketball like the bar is so low here so like seeing a guy like rj like start to do that and be kind of you know well-rounded with the exception of that jumper right now it's like yeah i mean that's encouraging to me i'll bet on that guy trying to figure it out a little bit offensively you know it's like you want to have that guy in your team and it's I don't know what they're going to do in the draft this year. I, I really, that's That's another. They
0: can go any way. I, I can't really think. Wiseman's probably the only guy that would be like, all right, why are you doing this? Because the rest of the guys, you just, like we said, you need shooting. It's that obvious. They just need a top score. That's the main thing with RJ that I can't see yet. I don't know if he's going to be a 20-plus score officially yet. So if he, I think he could get 20 points a night. But it might be some ugly, like Russell Westbrook, like when Russell Russell Russ Brick, rather, those nights where Russell will just go for like eight for 30 those times. Yeah. It'll be those type of performances. But if you put Hayes around him, for example, who looks like he has all the tools, who also models Game After Hard, and ironically enough, who has all the tools to become a top scorer, I think RJ's perfect for that. Because one thing that he cured. I haven't really seen it with the Knicks, the tunnel vision that he had early on in Duke. I haven't really seen much hero ball from him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that we we kind of speculated uh, before the draft with RJ was that, um, I know I, I did anyway, not to put words in your, uh, words in your mouth, but um, I just thought he didn't trust those guys at Duke to knock down threes because they were not knocking down oh, threes. 100%. That's like,
0: exactly what the problem was.
1: Like, and and I speculated it, and maybe it was unfair to do so, but like that was my hunch. It was just like, well, yeah. I mean, no offense to Trey Jones, who I'm sure is an excellent teammate, and RJ probably likes playing with him, and yada yada. But like, you're supposed to know your teammate's strengths and and weaknesses. And I'm sure when he drove, he was well aware with his vision that Trey Jones was in the corner, and decided that the better shot for me is trying to finish on two guys at the rim. So like. Again, didn't want to make him out to to seem a certain way, but like that's, that's, that was my read of the situation.
0: Now that's another thing, too. We expected the spacing in New York to be considerably better than Duke because at Duke, when Zion and Cam were out, or Zion, rather, because Cam was come and go, really, at Duke, Alex O'Connell was the only guy he trusted for the most part because he would pass this to Jack White early in the season, and Jack White shot sub-zero numbers from three. So he was written off. And then Trey Jones, like you said, the only shot that he was hitting last year was like a pull-up from right below the free throw line. Not really the area you want to generate your offense from, especially in college. So for Wayne Ellington to fall off a cliff in New York, Alfred Payton's playing a lot. He's not a great shooter. Frank, I love him. He's playing much better now. He's still not a knockdown shooter. There's just not a lot of knockdown shooters. Knox is average maybe a little below average. Not that many good shooters on this team yet, so the spacing is kind of where it was at Duke, which is a positive to me because he looks better than he did at Duke in terms of making the right play, not doing the tunnel vision crap. You know, just finding his way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd i love to see a starting lineup shake up at this point in the season. I think we're kind of due to to see, like, the extreme let the kids get the run now the season is lost and i mean i'd love to see frank how he's been playing and not even for him to be like primary ball handler i think rj should be the primary ball handler in that lineup and then you know throw dotson at the three who needs to stop being buried on the bench it's a little bit ridiculous and that right there you get a better defender and a a good three-point shooter a consistent one and, um, I, I, you know, I think Randall's going to still end up starting. Y- y- obviously, I'd like to see Knox get some minutes at the four, uh, despite me being as critical as I am on him. He still needs to play. He's been good, too. That's another person Miller's let. He let
0: him play, not against the Rockets. It was the game before. It's slipping my mind. Anyway, he let him play when he was playing well, and that was huge to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, he look, at the end of the day, you need to see what these kids have. Like, no matter what, like, has happened or how much they've underperformed or whatever, like, you you got to let them play. Like, you got to see what you have. Like, why, why draft them if not to develop or see what you have? It makes no sense, you know what I mean? So, I do think that, you know, Randall's still going to end up starting, obviously, um, but then Mitchell's got to start, too. And I think even if Randall's starting, like, you can space him. Like when Miller first took over, they were doing that a little bit more where they were spacing Randall out beyond the three-point line. Like and he was having some very effective games and still getting his points and and rebounds. You know what I mean? So it was like they have done it. I know that they can do it. Like put a smarter lineup out there and and one that's going to optimize RJ, optimize Mitch. And, like, actually just play some of the kids. Like, to me, it's not that hard. It helps you win now. it All all the stats, everything points to this. Like, those guys being the most impactful, right? Like, when Frank's on the floor, typically they're a plus, right? When Dotson's on the floor, typically they're a plus. RJ's been pretty damn good. Mitchell is a super plus on the floor. It's like, even, even Randall, um, as much as everybody is tired of him for different reasons, you know what I mean? But it's like... He's still been a plus this year. So it's like, that's a good lineup.
0: Yeah, I think the thing with Randall, which is pretty funny, is he's good with Elf as a two-man. Like, as a two-man lineup, they're good. Like, they score, they get the job done on offense. But they really just only play with each other at times. So it kind of kills everything else. Like, I was talking earlier with RJ, not getting RJ started early enough. When he's not getting the ball, it's basically Elf and Randall either going shot for shot or Elf just feeding Randall, which that's nice, but it's not really getting everyone else involved. When Randall played, I think it was against the Rockets, he closed with Frank, Mitch, RJ, and Randall looked decent. He had that big block that played a big role in sealing that win. And in the preseason, if you remember, he played with Knox, Mitch, I believe it was Frank and RJ, and that was also a good lineup. I feel like they just play him with Elf too much because they think, oh, he's familiar with him from New Orleans, and they play well together, which is true. But Elf just ain't it. He's a good player or solid player in a vacuum, but he's just not it for this team. And every time he shoots a line drive jumper, it makes me cringe.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, he's a solid player. It's just more of the the time and the place right now. Like, it's right. just not. It's not at this point. Again, we should be empowering the guys that should be part of the future, or that we hope are part of the future, and at least to me, the ones that deserve it. Like, I'm not saying start Knox at the four to start Knox at the four. Like, I'm saying yeah, like
0: experiment with it.
1: Like, but I'm saying like Mitch needs to be in the starting lineup. Like, like he needs to be 500%. playing 30 minutes in in the starting lineup. You know. But with that, too, like, now that you have Mitch in and you have RJ in, like, make RJ's role a little bit bigger, like, and make that lineup work for RJ, make it work for Mitch, like, really give those guys a chance out there. Like, don't just clog Mitch next to a, a Randall post-up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like be smarter about it. Like, that's really all that we're hoping for here. Like, to me, it, it's not... A, like, they, they watch the games. They coach this team. They watch the film. They should know. Like, they know which which guys are being impactful. Like, it's just time to start playing them together. Like, I I don't know how much say everybody has. I don't know if if the front office tells them to play certain guys, but, like, to me, kind of enough's enough here.
0: Yeah, it's his... Mike Miller's response to not starting Mitch was one of the most confusing things I've ever seen, where it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, it's like, dude, that's not answering the question. Either you're getting direction from the front office to play certain guys or you just are in love with your starting lineup for whatever reason. I don't know why he's attached to it. If you are going to take anybody out, I would honestly take out Randall and I would start Taj and Mitch because Taj seems to know how to get people going and then you can ride out Randall and let them do whatever he wants in terms of you know plowing into five defenders and spinning and into triple teams and all that fun stuff. But, I don't know, Miller's just, it's confusing, but Mitch and RJ, I feel like that's the duo that has to play together the rest of the way. Frank should too, but I feel like he'll get his spots, but Mitch and RJ, they've been good together since Vegas. That was in July. Come on, guys.
1: March has arrived, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes that tournament make sure you had to bet online and open an account today to get uh, in on their $100,000 bracket madness contest starting March 15th that's right I said $100,000 and March 15th that is what I said you don't need to be hardcore to get in on this action and with multiple entries available it's the season's best chance to cash in and remember the nba and xfl are still going strong so whatever your passion is bet online is the place to be for all your betting needs so visit our good friends and our exclusive partner bet online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business sign up for a free account and make sure you use that promo code that is blue wire b-l-u-e w-i-r-e all one word for fifty uh, for your fifty percent off sign-up bonus, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Yeah. So um, I'm just gonna let you lead this one off with your thoughts.
0: All right. I have. I think I have. This is such a divided topic. I don't. I don't. I hopefully, we have differing opinions, so it's a little more entertaining. I kind of sided with the Knicks on this one. Spike, I mean... Everyone's acting like Spike Lee is the Knicks. Look, he's a great superfan. At the end of the day, he riled up Reggie Miller. That shouldn't be forgotten. But more importantly... I've never seen someone get upset... To be asked to move to an entrance... That's higher class than the entrance he moved into. It's bizarre to me. And the entrance he went into, for anyone that didn't know... It clearly says in the biggest lettering you can possibly have, employee entrance, media entrance, and something else. Why do you have to go through that entrance? And why do you have to make a scene about it? Everyone's acting like this is like the end of the world, and the fact that it took the back page on the same night that Caris LeVert had 51 points and a comeback win against Boston—that just—it's—it's it's bizarre. It's truly bizarre. And Spike's first take appearance, I didn't see all of it. I've just seen Twitter clips. I was like, dude, what you're doing? Way too much right now. Like, did you did your ego get hurt that bad? Just like go to different entrance. I understand. Like, you don't want to be treated like a regular schmo. I get it. But just go to the fucking VIP entrance, dude. Just drop it.
1: So, so here's my thing. You guys are hundred percent. I like. I get that side of it. I do. I really, honestly do. Like. Because for me, the way I think, and you know how I am, I'm very easy going. Um, if that were me and someone says, oh, you just got to go to the other entrance, I just go to the other entrance. It's not a big deal. Like, that's that's how a lot of us probably feel. But we are not Spike Lee. We have not been running his little, like, that. whatever his route was that he always goes when he gets to the Garden that he's done for the last 20-some-odd years. Um like at, at some point, like you just kind of know your clientele. Like this is the way I'm just reading it. Like if you're, th- there's no problem today if like the security guard who obviously knew who Spike Lee was, just lets the guy go, because he because he goes through this the same entrance all the time when he goes to all the games that he's gone to all the time. Like just just let him go, just let him go. Like I get I get that he's supposed to be doing his job, whatever. But like. It's Spike fucking Lee. Like the Lakers are not gonna hold it, the Lakers are not gonna hold Jack Nicholson up. Like this that you know what I mean? Like it's not gonna happen. They, they would see him and go, oh, okay, well that's weird that you're entering at this entrance, but right this way, sir, I'll bring it you to your seat. That's how it goes. Like that's that's how you do it. It's customer service one oh one. So to me, like as always, like it was a Nick's MSG thing. Like there was no reason for that to happen. But at the same time, spike is obviously sensationalizing a little bit a little bit too much uh, uh, i saw somebody my buddy dragonfly jones my internet friend uh tweeting something in all caps that uh, you know arrest me like my brother charles oakley like like <laughs> like something it just i get it i get it spike you're upset like but please like and this isn't even like that that weird kind of whiny Knicks fan you know, like little narrative that's been going around where it's like oh you know he's doing this to make the looks uh knicks look bad he knows how bad this makes them look it's like well well again one sometimes your problems are your own fault maybe the knicks should just not have done that to begin with and then we would don't have this problem but um you know two it's like just you know i mean a little bit like i I get people are you know i get he's upset it's just it's too far i guess it's too much it's just let it go My conspiracy
0: theory is Spike and a couple others like Charles Oakley I think they have they feel like it's their chance to get Dolan out of here and it's just a full court press because Charles Oakley's statements calling it a plantation over there that's like very crazy and he also brought up Sterling and having Dolan be forced to sell so that's my conspiracy theory on this whole thing because even Sp- like spike's been around the block it's not like this is the way he was acting in those first take clips that i saw you would have thought he was spat on called something crazy or dragged out like oakley and it was basically just say like sir you can't go through there and maybe the security guy was being a hardo very possible i'm i still don't know exactly what the issue was was he always going through that and then they all of a sudden switched up on him
1: to my understanding, yes. That, that's what seems to be the story. Was That's just the way that he goes. And they said that the new thing, even for him, was that he needs to go through the VIP entrance now, which I guess had been the status quo for a lot of people that weren't Spike for a while. But Spike didn't want to go through there. He just wanted to go through the same place he always went through. And I think one little aspect of this that we're forgetting is like, Spike's an old man now. Like, like this isn't this isn't like young Spike that we all like remember growing up. Like this is this is an older man now, and uh, if we know one thing about old men, they're set in their ways. And you know, like you you ever have like those stupid arguments with like your grandfather? Yeah. Uh, Just just because they have always done it a certain way, like like you know he's not going to change his mind. Like he even if he goes to the VIP entrance, he's going to be angry at you for not (laughs) because you switched his routine up. Like. That, that's that's my read of it too it's like yeah i mean he's it's a little bit spike being spike but it, he's also just like an old dude who's just like well what do you mean you're changing my like 30 year routine up i've always done this
0: yeah i i get that S- sometimes Not- it's as
1: simple as that you know like for for an older guy i don't know
0: now, is the VIP entrance that far? Like, if he has to go to 30, I think it's, what is it, 33rd? Having not
1: been a VIP, I cannot tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I knew where the I'm entrance I'm just guessing, was. like, I uh, never oh, saw actually, actually, I do think, and yes, I think you're right. I think it's on 33rd.
0: Okay, because I, I've seen an entrance where it's like right across the street from that parking garage, for people that have never been to MSG, it's in between 7th and 8th Ave, and then there's 34th Street, and then there's 33rd or 31st, whatever the fuck it is. I think if he had to go on that side, okay, maybe I kinda get his points like, dude, I'm not gonna walk go back out and walk all the way around just to do this again. Because the garden's just a big circle. If anyone's ever been there, you go in one way, you literally just walk around. It's like a big bowl. Yeah. So I get I get that point, but the hysteria from Spike's end and then the next pub press release was that just made it worse. I feel like that gave credence to what Lee ended up doing like on first take. But it's like, why are you acting like that's just petty and just, it got nothing done? If it was trying to be funny, it accomplished it, but I feel like the press release ruined any chance the Knicks had of looking good.
1: And, like, the worst part was we knew it was coming. We all laughed about it. We were just like, like, what do you? when do you think it's coming out? What do you think it's going to say? Everyone was getting the jokes off, and then inevitably, I forgot what time, it was like five-something, the press release comes out, and then, of course, it is what we, exactly what we would have thought that would have said. And, uh,
0: I think it went even farther than that to say laughable. Like he's like, "That's laughable." I was like,
1: "What?" Like I just feel that's like something. That's I, a tweet. Yeah, I just feel like at this point, like you know how easy it would have been. Like they actually could have won this. I just feel like they need the right PR. Like they need just the right person to help. Like give them that advice. You know, like for me, it would have been easy to just been like, "Hey, man, if you just gloat about Spike a little bit," and the press release. You look super good, dude.
0: Yeah. All they had to say was, Spike Lee's one of our esteemed guests, blah, 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 super fan. We're sorry this happened. We're sorry he feels that way. He's always welcome to the garden. Boom. Done. You look good.
1: We'll make sure it never happens again. You do something yeah. funny at the entrance the next day. You make it like you had Spike's name on it. Or, you know what I mean? Like, just just own it. Make it better. Own it. Say, sorry, Spike. We'll let you walk in this entrance. Who cares? Not a big deal. Like, to me, that's how you, that's how you like win the situation. You lose the situation when you put out a press release call, calling Spike Lee's thing laughable, no matter how true it might be. You can't do it. You just can't do it if you're in the Knicks because no matter what you intended, they're gonna like people aren't gonna a believe you and b they're just gonna get the jokes off. Like it's not you win nothing from it. Like you got to know your position sometimes. Like nothing good was gonna come from that, and nothing good did come from it. That's it. And now we don't know what's going on with Spike, right? So it's like, it is what it is. He'll He'll be back. But it's just like, enough, man. Like, just, I think a lot of us, even me, I was just like, man, like, RJ just had a great game. Like, they beat the Rockets. That should be an excellent story. And immediately, we can't even really talk about it. Like, I was trying to be funny from the TKW count when I was just like, hey, so that RJ guy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey, who wants to talk
1: about RJ? Yeah. It's like...
0: And that's what annoys me the most. Just because it takes away... Usually the Encore product's pretty crappy, if we're talking recently. But you just took away a, what, probably your best one of the season with something so stupid. Like, of coming in through a wrong entrance. And those bozos who were saying, talk, comparing the security teams from Barclays to MSG... I've been to MSG a few times. You probably have more experience than me in attending live games. <laughs> They've been gracious to me. Like, they were just like, I was walking around like a fucking deer in the headlights. They're like, no, you go there, you go. They were telling me exactly where to go. So I don't want people to yeah. think that they're stepping into some crazy world where everyone's a fucking hard ass.
1: Yeah, and, and I will say, too, I haven't had an issue. Um, obviously, as I, I you know. We all do. We go in for the first couple of times. We tend to get lost going in different directions. So, but again, same thing. Like I just asked for help as any normal person would. I think they gave me help, and then that was it. So, I don't know. I mean, I've had a, a fine experience. I, I, I don't
0: know. No, people just like to pile on, and it's it gets annoying after a certain point. It's like it's just so easy. It's low hanging fruit at this point, like the lowest hanging fruit and that's what bother that's what probably bothered me the most that they just let open themselves up to that again
1: yeah well I, I mean to me like sometimes the best action is non action you know like sometimes just don't really say much just say sorry move on not a big deal like you don't gotta try to win every situation
0: or just ignore it yeah I think if they ignored it that would be even better yeah it's just uh, but Hey, home stretch of the season. RJ's playing well. Mitch was out tonight, but he'll play well. So we got that.
1: Yep, uh, hopefully. That's all we want, really. I just want RJ and uh, Mitch to both start together and close uh, the season out strong. That's it. They do that. RJ keeps bringing those shooting percentages up incrementally. Uh, we're back over the 40, 32, 60 range. Um, so that made me happy. They lost uh, tonight to the Jazz. That game just ended, by the way. So,
0: yeah, without Mitch, it just—I feel like the air got sucked out of the team before it even started. I mean, not the team, but at least the fans. Like yeah. once I found out Mitch wasn't playing, I was like, uh, who cares?
1: RJ's uh, percentages continue to climb, even again incrementally. Shot fifty percent from deep today on one of two shooting. Okay. Uh, made all his free throws, three for three. 5 of 12 from the field as a whole. So 41.7 so about 42%. So another game where we're seeing a little rise. I will take it. And he also had four uh, four rebounds, five assists.
0: I mean, you love to see it.
1: You just I want to get
0: a, we have to get a shooting guy on here at once because I need to know what the hell his free throws. I sometimes you could clearly see that he's rushing it. But mechanically, I don't see anything wrong. As to why I don't understand why he's throwing bricks sometimes, like sometimes it's just complete duds, and I don't know why.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. Um, I don't know. I he just it, he looks like choppy to me, it looked like he, he hasn't really grown into his body yet, if that makes sense. Like, even when I'm watching him dribble, it looks like he's like too strong at the moment, mm-hmm. like, he's not fluid yet. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah,
0: that yeah, I agree with that.
1: Yeah, so but it, I think that might have something to do with it. I just think he needs to like really kind of grow into his body a little bit and get more familiar and just smooth things out. Like I I don't know if I this is just my non-expert opinion of, of watching him almost every game this season, and it's like I I don't see like one big red flag with his jumper, like yeah, you know, me like like yeah, I don't I see. Like I don't see what the real issue is. I just think he's inconsistent for whatever reason. And I think a lot of that has to do with his body. I I mean, he's a a built 19-year-old. So it's like, you know, he reminds me kind of like when Amari came into the league and he was just built like a brick house. And it's like, those guys, like, it's hard. Like, are they really going to be that fluid if they're that strong? You know? Like, look at Zion. Zion's great, but even him, it's like, you see, like, he's still a, a gigantic muscle, too. You know, it's like, I don't know. That, that's one thing that I think about with him. But either way, he's just got to be a little bit more fluid uh, and just stop relying on his strength. But
0: yeah, if he, it's crazy. If he had explosive jumps like Amari did, he would be an absolute freak because he would be dunking through contact.
1: He's like, he is like weird when I've seen him take off, though, because there's like some dunks of his where he, I feel like he does take off. And then there's others where I feel like he just barely gets off the ground. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like when I was watching him in the, uh, the USA versus World game, like he was taken mm. off.
0: Yeah, he seems more comfortable. Like if it's a breakaway, he jumps without any worry. I feel like with contact, he might even be bracing for it or even like trying to prepare himself for the poster, if that makes sense, like getting his arm out. It's just not – I feel like there's a slight hesitation there. I could just be reading too much into it, but that's what I'm seeing.
1: All right, uh, now, Mike, if you want to plug anything.
0: Yeah, so draft season will return. It's coming back Sunday. I will be joined by the Flex Queen, Jess Reinhardt, Nick, Carante, I'm sorry, Nick. I completely butchered your name, dude. Nick C. He's from the TKW staff. And Joseph Nardone of Forbes Sports will be hosting as well. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to do broad strokes of like the general landscape of this year's draft class. And Joe's, Joe and Jess specifically are going to help me with figuring out this college landscape. Because I've had to pay attention to the Knicks more than i've had in the past so they're going to kind of set that up so yeah first season first episode of this new season starts sunday probably look out for that monday or tuesday but yeah we were recording that on sunday so be on the lookout for that check out anything on the knicks wall we'll start cranking out that draft content and probably some new stuff on rj and mitch i would assume as well as frank so always check out the com for the latest articles
1: uh, yep, and make sure you guys are rating and reviewing this. Uh, hopefully, five stars. Um, if less, I'm sorry that you hate us, but please give us five if you can. Helps us keep doing this. Uh, make sure you follow the next wall on all platforms. Uh, just at the next wall everywhere. Make sure you're following myself on Twitter at Kyle Maggio. Make sure you're following Mike on uh, Twitter at Cortezera, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. We'll see you next uh, next time. And, uh, you know, looking forward to draft season myself. Hope you guys enjoy it. Peace.